Hey, thank you for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can go to our website, RenewalChicago.com. I pray that this podcast today is a blessing and encouragement to your soul. Sermon on the Mount. So we've been walking through this. We started last week with blessed are the poor in the spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. This Sermon on the Mount is a sermon that Jesus preached, and again, the reason we're we're walking through this sermon is that there are many people that are asking questions about how do I live in this world. So therefore, the theme for this is Christian living in an everyday world. If people are asking the questions, what does it look like practically to be a Christian in today's world, or what does it mean to have the true morality, what does that really look like? And as I said last week... Many Christians and non-Christians have used this sermon as the rubric or the foundation of everything they live off of. Therefore, this sermon is not just for the Christian. This is also for the non-Christian. As you'll see, Jesus preaches to people that believe and people that are not. His disciples are there, and then there are many that are just checking him out. So I'm glad that you're here with us. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and flip, us, flip it over to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we're going to be this morning. Uh, verses 1 through 4. We added one verse this week. So Matthew 5, verses 1 through 4. If you got it, go ahead and stand to your feet. I know some of y'all are new here and you're visiting, but we talk here at Renewal, okay? So if you hear something in the sermon that really resonates with your spirit, you go ahead and say amen, all right? You will not hurt me. Go ahead. Hallelujah. Do whatever you want to do. If you, ho- if you holler too much, I might tell you to sit down. It's okay. But, but I promise you won't hurt me. It's going to make me preach better, Okay. Just don't say bring it home, Pastor. That means sit down. (laughs) Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. Here now the reading of God's word. It says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. The words of God, amen. Today I want to preach on mourning with hope. Mourning with hope. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're an awesome God. We give you praise, we give you honor, we give you all the glory for you and you being good. As the song says, you're working all things for the good of those who I love you, God, and I just pray right now that you would hide me behind your cross so that you may be lifted up in this place. Decrease me so that you may increase. Father, have your way so the folks here will hear a word from you. We thank you and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said together, amen, amen. You can be seated. <clears throat> Morning. How many of y'all took a deep breath when I said morning, when I said the topic? Go ahead, be honest. Mm -hmm. This is something we don't like to talk about, and frankly, I would say we don't talk about it enough. We Americans, we can be some surface-level, kind of shallow people when it comes to our emotions, when it comes to what we're feeling and what we're actually going through, because we live in a world that revolves around us doing well, Living our best life now. I mean, even on our anthem, home of the brave. But when we think of mourning, we think it's weak. 
So many times when unfortunate things happening, happen in our lives, we, we're commonly told to just man up or get over it. I mean, what does that actually mean? If I see a woman, I'm supposed to be like, woman up. You just lost your father, but don't cry. Woman up. What? Come on. What, what does that actually mean? And see, what ends up happening in this is we, we, we turn into people who never learn how to process our emotions and our feelings correctly, which leads to all types of issues like outbursts and blow-ups and people on people or things that have nothing to do with what's really going on in your heart. I mean, you, you ever been at the wrong place at the wrong time and, and, and someone, you, you just minding your own business and someone just snapped on you? And you're like, what, what, what's wrong with you? I, I just wanted some, wa- I wanted some water. <laughs> Why are you so mad? You ever been there before somebody just snapped on you? I mean, it happened to me the other day. I was at the Bulls game with my sisters, and I was leaving the game, and I'm in the elevator, and I, I'm coming down off the elevator, and, and the, the girl that's in the elevator, she's managing the elevator. And, and I walked in, and I noticed her. She's just staring at the buttons on the wall, sitting there, and she's managing it. And, I'm, and, and I see tears rolling down her eye, and I say, what, 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 are, are you okay? People just getting on my nerves. Oh, my gosh. Oh my, I, I, I start looking around like, did I do something? I mean, you want to talk about it? And she's like, no. I said, did, did I do No. I'm like, why are you so mad? I, in my, I didn't say this to her because she's crying. And, I, and, and, and as, I, as we kept going down, I started trying to talk to her some more. She would not look at me. She kept looking at the wall. And, and as I'm about to exit the elevator, I said, look, I'm a pastor. I just wanted to talk to you. Can I get your name? Because I just want to pray for you. She, she didn't look at me at all. She told me her name. And, and I walked out the elevator and I said, look, I'm going to be praying for you. I promise I'm praying for you. She's crying profusely, closed the door, didn't say anything else to me. And see, I'm not sure what was going on with her or what happened. What she was doing, though, is she's bottling up those emotions and and she's not dealing with whatever's going on with her emotions. And, and frankly, what's happening is her emotions are uncontrollable. In essence, she didn't know how to or wasn't able to mourn. She didn't know how to do this correctly. This is just one way people choose to deal with mourning. They bottle it up. Maybe that's you. Another way people avoid mourning is instead of dealing with what's going on with them, they just try to, try to keep it moving. They replace their mourning with something else. They try to keep themselves distracted, try to keep themselves busy, and they don't actually deal with their, their emotions. Y'all, if I'm honest, that's me when I'm not dealing with my emotions correctly. I, I, don't, I don't really want to deal with them all the time. So when things happen to me, I just try to find something else to do. I, I just move on to the next thing. It'll be all right. I'll wake up in the morning. It'll be a new day. I don't, I don't want to think about it anymore. Honestly, there was something that happened in my family between some relatives, and it just happened, and it caused me to grieve a bit and mourn, and instead of trying to deal with what was happening with my family, I really wanted to just move on to something else. I tried my best to move on to something else. I didn't want to deal with that. And frankly, if I'm honest with you, I'm going to be a little vulnerable with you, family. Expressing my emotions has always been something that was tough for me as well as my wife. 
Reason being, because as we, the way we were brought up, the way we grew up, we, we grew up a lot faster than other people had to. We dealt with things that most kids did not have to deal with. So and, and what, what, what ends up happening is that you feel like there's not space for your emotions. There's not space for you to express how you truly feel. So we didn't really know how we actually felt. So when we got married, we had to wrestle through this thing because we communicate very differently. And then we came across this book, uh, Chip Dodd's book. It's called Voices to the Heart. Awesome book. Pick it up. In this book, he has this thing called a feelings chart. It's a feelings chart. And so what we started to do, it should be showing up here on the board. What we started to do is that instead of when I walk in the door, she asks me, how was your day? She asked me, how, how do I feel about certain things that happened in my day? Because if you ask me, how was my day, I'm going to just tell you how my day was. I did this, I did that, I did that, this person did this, this, that, and the third. I'm not going to tell you what's really going on in my heart. But when she starts asking me how I feel about what this person did or what this person did, then I have to start dealing with what's actually going on in my heart. So we would actually pull out the feelings chart, be very elementary for a while, put it on the table and say, how do you feel? How do you feel? Tell me why you feel mad. Tell me why you feel sad until we learned how to use this language. And as you look at this chart, you see on one side there's impairment, and then on the other side there's benefits, which means that if I don't express my feelings well, if I don't let them out, or if I bottle them up, a lot of times my feelings start to impair my life. They start to make my life toxic. But if I learn how to express them, then they can benefit me and other people, and now I can glorify God with my life. Hear me, feelings are always valid, they just may be misguided. They're always valid, just, just may be misguided, which means that you may need somebody to sit down with you and help you walk through your emotions and your feelings and see what's actually going on in your heart. And in my case, in my wife's case, I asked her if I could share all this, and she said, yeah, go ahead. If I'm vulnerable, my wife, she likes to bottle things up. Just take it all on. And I'm the other guy. I'm like, no, nah, I, I, if we're going to talk about it, let's talk about it, but let's keep it moving. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I don't want to be in my emotions. I don't want to be in my feelings. And here's what I want you to don't, don't miss. Both of these instances, whether it's stuffing your emotions or dismissing them, they both are toxic and lead to places of unhealth and depression down the road. And then you wake up one day on all types of medication and all types of pills because you're depression or you have all these different types of vices that keep you coping with your reality, whether that be alcohol, it be sex, it be drugs, it be work, working out, going out, whatever it may be, not eating, eating too much. And now don't hear me saying, don't hear me saying that, 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 that there are not some chemical imbalances in people where depression is caused and sadness comes and has nothing to do with your situation. I'm not saying that. Depression is a real thing. And there are folks that really battle with this. That's not what I'm saying. But what I will say is that many of us do experience depression and unexplainable feelings because we have never known how to express our emotions or had the space to do so. In essence, we don't know how to mourn correctly. And here's the question, what if the only way to get through something or manning up, so to say, was to actually mourn? Wow. What if, what if that's the only way to really get through it is to mourn? And that's what I want to talk about today. So number one, I want you to know it's okay to mourn. 
It's okay to mourn, and many of us need permission to mourn. You've sadly never had the space to do so or been told it's healthy mourn. Number two, I want to talk about what is mourning? What is mourning? Because many times when we think of mourning, the only, we think, only thing we think of is when somebody dies or if something tragic or traumatic happens in our life. That's when we want to mourn. So I want to talk about what is mourning. And number three, mourning, hear me, brings us closer to God. Mourning brings us closer to God. Amen? Now, as we jump into this text, by way of reminder, if you weren't here last week with us, we opened up our series walking through the Sermon on the Mount. And what we see is that Jesus, he goes up to this mount, and he sits down on the mountain, and he begins to teach on being what a true disciple of Jesus looks like, or shall I say, Christian living in an everyday world. That's our theme for this series. Now, again, this message, when he's preaching, is, is probably most, most likely directed towards his disciples, but yet Jesus is sitting on this mountain, and because of the acoustics that are surrounding him, when he opens his mouth, everybody around hears this message, whether they're following him or not. So there's thousands of people listening to Jesus preach this message, and he knows it, and he proceeds to continually preach. Jesus jumps right in in verse 3, and he says, blessed, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now remember, verse 3 begins what is called the Beatitudes, which comes from the Latin word beatus, which means blessed or happy. These short statements right here, the Beatitudes, they summarize the essence of the whole Sermon on the Mount through chapters 5 through 7. And what you'll notice is if you keep reading from verse 3 on down, the next eight statements, remember, the word blessed is continually repeated. Y'all see that? It's said over and over again. So what this means, if you remember from last week, we have to pay attention to this word blessed because if Jesus is repeating it, he's trying to get something across to us. So hear me, being blessed, hear me, because we misconstrue this many times. We think of something else. God's going to give me all of this. Hear me. Being blessed doesn't refer to what God can or will do for you because, as I said last week, if you believe in Jesus, the Christian is already blessed because of what Christ has done on your behalf when he died on the cross for you, took your sins to the grave, and rose from the grave with power in his hands, now offering us eternal life. You're already blessed if you believe. So hear me, what believers receive or they're able to do in this life are counted as blessings or privileges as a result of being blessed in Christ Jesus. So don't miss this. Therefore, God gives me good things and takes care of me as a result of what Christ did on my behalf, not because of what I bring to the table. Hear me, the Christian has to beware not to confuse these things. Don't mix this up. And for that matter, so does the non-believer. Because although someone may not believe, friends, there's something called common grace. Common grace where God extends to all people where they're able to live and do as they please and walk amongst this earth because God can do whatever he wants when he wants. And he also can take away whatever he wants when he wants to do it. Meaning, hear me, don't, don't miss this. Is that Don't take anything you have in your life or you're able to do for granted. Because if it had not been for the grace of God in all of our lives, y'all, we would have nothing. So the only reason we're able to live the way we want to, whether we're believer or not, is because of God's grace. So we're all covered by his grace, meaning he's given us something we didn't deserve. 
The difference, though, hear me, between the person that believes and the person that does not believe. Family, hear me, hear me. The believer believes in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, which now they experience saving grace. Saving grace, which now the text tells us in, in, in verse 3, when you recognize how your acknowledgement for Jesus and what he did for you, the blessing is what? Heaven. So it's eternal life with him. So there's a difference between common grace and saving grace, family. Everyone receives common grace, but saving grace is only offered by God to those who believe. And see, here, here lies the problem as we got quiet in here. Because we don't really understand grace. We don't really understand grace. And many times we treat the blessings of God like something we have to earn. Because everything in our life, we have to work for. So what happens is we take the goodness of God and all, the, all, all that he's done, and we just throw it right in that same category for everything that I have to work for. So, so now when I look at God and I say, well, God, I'm going to work for this. I'm going to do this. If I do well, then God will bless me. But if I mess up and I don't do well, guess what? God's not going to bless me. Y'all hear me. That's not the way God works. It's not the way he works. We're blessed in Christ when we believe in his resurrection. So therefore, as I said last week, if I gain nothing else on this earth, all I get is, is the privilege of knowing my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as my Savior, as my Lord. If that's all I know, family, I'm blessed enough because that lets me know that I'm promised eternity with him in heaven away from all this madness. Y'all, that's enough. There's nothing on this earth that can compare to that joy that is awaiting me with my Father in heaven. So what this means, hear me, is being blessed is more of a state of being than meaning you're going to receive something. Being blessed is more than a temporary or circumstantial feeling of happiness. This is a state of well-being in relationship to God and our response to what Jesus has done on our behalf. Again, you cannot miss this, or you will miss everything that Jesus is saying in this whole sermon. Also, last week, I pointed out the fact that we, we notice in, in verses 3 through 10, if you see, you see this, verse 3 and 10, they're a little different than the rest of the Beatitudes. Verse 3 and 10, he uses the word is, but if you look at the rest of them, like our text today, he uses the word shall. Y'all see this in verse 4, he says this, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Y'all see that word? See, this happens in verses 4 through 9, but in verse 3 through 10 says there is. That's present tense. Shall is future. The kingdom of heaven. So there is the kingdom of heaven, verse 3 and 10. Now, what this lets us know, as, by way of reminder, is that God blesses us now, but he also blesses us not yet. It means we experience some of the blessings now. We experience most of it when we get to heaven. Which means that there's certain rewards and benefits that believers will experience. I'm going to keep saying this here on this earth, but most of which what God has for us, the benefit and the fulfillment of all things will happen after this earth is no more. So that involves us waiting on the coming age, the world to come. Now, Jesus begins saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not saying in this passage by being poor in spirit, one has to be financially poor or has poor faith. But instead, that there is this blessing 
in coming to grips with the understanding of your inadequacy and that you're not as much as you thought. You're not as good as you thought you were. Your stuff stinks like everybody else's. You need help. You need people around you. In essence, the sense of fulfillment and need that, that, that we yearn for on a, on a heart level, on a soul level, it's not found in what we can do or what we gain in this life, but in our understanding of being in need for more than what we possess. It, it's more. It, it's more than what we can handle. It, it's our soul longing for more, which is not found in anything we can gain on this earth. That's only found in God. See, it's when we recognize that we aren't as good as we thought we were. Or, or no matter how hard we try or how much we gain in this life, we will always want more because our spirits long for more. Our souls long for more. So in essence, without or apart from Christ, I said it last week, well, we're spiritually bankrupt. We don't have it. Jesus is saying, when we realize this, the blessing is, y'all see the word is? It's both now and not yet. It, the blessing is heaven so the Christian can be fulfilled now and live through this life knowing where they're going and will one day be free from this world and united with Christ from all this madness. Y'all, that's good news. I need y'all to keep following me because all of this goes with the topic today, which brings me to it. It's morning. Because when one takes a look at this world, when you look around you, you look at your life, you look at all the madness and the craziness that's going on, it brings one to a place of mourning. It, it brings one to a place of sadness. Again, this is a topic I feel like in America and especially in Chicago where we, we, we put things on our back and we work by the sweat of our brow. It's all on what I do. We're very prideful. Y'all, we don't like to talk about this. We think it's weak. We don't have an accurate understanding of what it means to mourn, which causes all types of problems. Now, now, now there's many things we can talk about with mourning. I'm not going to actually talk about all of them. But what I do want you to cover, I want you to hear today, is there's a difference between biblical mourning and what the world classifies as mourning. So what I did is I looked up the definition of mourning. I, I broke out the Webster's Dictionary, and I said, what, what's, what's mourning? Well, what does this say? It gave me two different definitions. Look at these definitions. It says, number one, to feel or show deep sorrow or regret for someone or their death. Or two, similar, feel regret or sadness about the loss or disappearance, disappearance of something. Now, now hear me. These two definitions right here, they're pretty accurate in the sense of the verb mourn. What it actually means, but when I'm reading these two definitions, y'all, there, there's nothing about them that actually makes me want to mourn. I mean, I'm honest. When I look at that, I don't want to mourn. I'm asking the question, well, what's the outcome? I mean, how long do I have to sit in the sadness? How long do I have to regret the things that I've done? How long do I have to feel the way I feel? How long do I have to deal with these emotions? Y'all, if I look at these definitions, there's really nothing that's attractive about mourning, right? So why is it that the text says, blessed are those who mourn? Remember I said being blessed is a state of being? Not merely just a feeling 
or, or of happiness or circumstances, and things that are going on, the, the, the believer is blessed regardless of their situation because they're covered by the, the blood of Jesus and will one day be with him in heaven, in eternity. So again, the world and what happens to you on this side of heaven, it does not define you. So hear me, in order to mourn correctly, here's the point, one has to do so with the correct understanding of what it means to be blessed. Because if I mourn as one that has no hope, then my mourning is morbid and worthless. And one will do whatever they can to get away from mourning, to get out of mourning because it's hopeless. I don't want to sit there. But if I mourn with the vision of heaven in my future, like the Bible tells me, my weeping may endure for the night, but joy comes in the morning. See, there is a reason Jesus started the blessing, the, the Sermon on the Mount in, in verse 3, be, the way he said it, be blessed are the poor in spirit, because in that we're recognizing we need Jesus in everything, even in our morning, because without him, even in our morning, as I said already, that's hopeless. See, the difference between the world's and Webster's definition of mourning and a biblical definition, family, here, here it is, is that a biblical definition inv involves you feeling regret and sorrow, yes, but at the same time having hope in Jesus who has over overcome every worldly trouble, every trial and tribulation for you already. He suffered the loss of a friend in Lazarus. I mean, let me talk about this because some people don't believe Jesus went through everything. He suffered the loss of a friend in Lazarus. He, he, he experienced temptation just like we do, but he didn't sin. He, had, he, had, he was ridiculed. He was beat to a pulp. He was spit on. He was kicked, crowned the thorns on his head. He even had his own family turn their, his back, their back on him. How many of y'all have experienced that? Jesus had that happen to him. He experienced life as we know it, and then he died, taking our sins to the grave once and for all. Then he rose from the grave with power in his hands, and he offers that same resurrection from the dead when we die to us if we believe in him. See, the Bible tells me in Hebrews 4.15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Family, again, the believer does not mourn without hope because our hope is in Christ who has conquered the world, death, life, and sin, and offers eternity to, in heaven to us who believe. So therefore, hear me, don't miss this. Mourning only lasts momentarily. This, this world and our life right here is a speck on the line of eternity. Only last momentarily, but see, I, I, I know the question is still lingering in your head. Well, what, what's still, what is mourning, Pastor D? Well, what's mourning? Mourning, family, hear me, it's not just related to death. It's definitely associated with death. We go through times of grief. We, we mourn there, but mourning can be much more. Mourning includes grief caused by both personal sin and loss, social evil and, and oppression, the spiritual, emotional, or financial loss resulting from sin that leads us to this place of mourning and longing for God's forgiveness and wanting more and wanting healing from him. There's also this eternal longing within us that happens in our mourning that we can't explain. We, we mourn 
For others, we, we mourn their situations. We mourn our situations and our stages of life and where we are right now. How many of y'all want to be honest with me? And y'all mourning your situation right now. You're mourning your stage of life. Go ahead and be honest. You want more for your life. You want to be someplace else. You want to be married right now. You want all these different things. You're mourning your situation. You're mourning your stage of life. We mourn our sin because we, we want to do better or want the better life that we believe is for us here on this earth. We, want, we mourn because we want a better life for other people. But again, the difference, don't miss this. When the believer is mourning in this flesh, the difference is the mo- we're mourning in this flesh that's, that's wasting away every day, but we're desperately looking towards heaven that awaits us. There's hope in that morning. We mourn the here and now, looking forward to the future, which gives us hope. Some of y'all are missing this. Okay, let me, let me make it plain. It's like running suicides in basketball practice or, or, or when you used to play volleyball. Y- y'all remember running suicides? Y'all remember conditioning? How many of y'all love running suicides? You better not raise your hand. <laughs> if you like conditioning and you like running suicides, something wrong with you. Nobody likes conditioning. Nobody. But here's the thing. We love the conditioning and the experience of it when that, that conditioning will allow us to win the game at the end of the day. Some of y'all missing what I'm saying. So now we go back to saying, I will run a mile. I'll, I'll run some more suicides because I know I will make it through the finish line. See, here's the point that I'm trying to get at, y'all. Some of y'all still missing this. See, what I'm getting at is the Christian family endures today knowing where they're going in the future. <laughs> Hear me. God will comfort now in part but he'll comfort fully in the future because the Christian is saved now and united with Christ, but one day he's coming back for us and we'll be in heaven with him forever and ever. Although we mourn the pains of this world and this life, y'all hear me, it must never outweigh the fact that God is for us, he's with us, and he's coming back for us. Never outweighs that hope. This is what we must not forget. And honestly, the hard truth about this matter, family, hear me, and this may sound very weird to you, is that it's in that morning, it's in those hard times, it's in those trials, hear me, that God is closest. Let me break this down. I said it before, but honestly, when one takes a good look at this world, You look at your life and you're really honest with everything that's going on, everything that's happening to us or around us, whether it's the state of humanity or your own life, your stage of life, your season of life, wherever you are right now, it can be overwhelming. Living in this city can be overwhelming. It can be unbearable at times and it can bring one to this place of mourning. I mean, have you ever felt like You had a rock or a boulder on your chest, and it was just crushing you, and you felt like you just just couldn't get it off of you, just overwhelming. You can't get it off of you. You can't move it. You you ever felt like you're ready to throw in the towel on life? It's just just too much for you. If if one one more thing happens to me in my life, I'm just going to crack. What's the point of living this life? You ever been there before? Let's be honest. What if I told you this? Being in that place 
is somewhat healthy. And, and here's what I'm getting at. Let, let, let me make it simple. This world, again, is unbearable at times. Hear me, we struggle with our own sin. We struggle with our own mess. We struggle with our own problems. But yet we, we got social media at the tips of our fingertips. And, and, and we can see everything that's happening across the world, in other people's lives, in other countries. And, and, and we sit back and we wonder, why are we so depressed? I mean, depression rates, y'all, if you haven't studied this, they're soaring right now. Between 2013 and 2016, depression rates rose 33%, and they're still rising right now. And guess who they're rising amongst? Teenagers and millennials. It's going up. So what we commonly do, family, hear me, is we look for ways to subside or alleviate the pain and sorrow. And here's what I don't want you to miss, family. Again, it's in those times or those places of sorrow, those places of grief, those places of mourning, family, that God is closest. You know why? Because it's in that place that we're recognizing we can't make it on our own and we're looking for help. God, help me. I can't do this anymore. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 18, one of my favorite verses, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, and he saves the crushing spirit. See, mourning is not a bad thing because this is where we see God the most. Because it's in that place that we can't give anymore. We don't have any more to give. We're ready to throw in the towel. Friends, there's a reason where if you take a stroll through the Old Testament, when you see men and women, when things happen in their lives, people die or they sin or they mess up, they're ripping their clothes off and they're sitting in sackcloth and ashes, not for days, sometimes weeks, sometimes months. And you know why they sit there in those times? It's because in those places is where they experience God the most. It's in those places where God is near. It's in those places where they recognize their need for God. But see, there's the problem because we don't like to sit in mourning. We don't sit long enough. But as I explained, the reality is that the Christian family, here's the reality. If, if not everyone in here, we'll all still be sitting in this constant place of mourning because even if nothing is going wrong or happening around you, your body is continually wasting away and you don't like the way you look and all these things are happening around you. There's still this lingering piece of you that wants more in life. You want more life. You want more money. You want a bigger house. You want a spouse. You want a better job. You want children. You want protection. You want perfection you want security we want more fulfillment and here's the problem with that family that earth, things on this earth don't give us the ultimate satisfaction we want so we keep looking for more and more which leaves our soul in this longing state for more which translates into this morning because we want more and our souls can't be satisfied with what this world offers friends we weren't made for this world the mess, everything, we weren't made for this. Genesis 1, 26 and 27 says that we were made, all of us, in the image of God. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic, all of us alike. We were made in the image of God, and we were made to be in perfect peace with him. No mess, perfect peace with him. Adam's sin broke that fellowship with God when he chose to disobey God and eat from the tree where he was not supposed to. And because of that, every man that came after Adam fell. The wages of sin is death, both physical and spiritual. 
But God, I love that, but God, but God still loving us, family. He looks down at us, sees us in the midst of our mess. He sends Jesus down here to die for our sins so that if we believe we're saved from the wrath of God toward our sin, because God can't stand sin. That, that, that's not with God. He, he, the wrath of God towards sin, the sin, the wages of sin is death. He, he comes down here, he dies for us. And if we believe in him, we're united through Christ, reconciled with God. And one day, we'll live with him forever in glory. But here's the thing. We still reside here on earth. We still live here. We ain't made it to heaven yet. Which means that we're still always mourning, whether spoken or unspoken, longing for heaven to be with God. Because that's where we were created to be, with him. So we'll keep looking for everything else, looking for this satisfaction in all these places. And God, I made you to be with me. I didn't make you for the mess of this world. No, no, I made you to be with me. Which then causes one to ask, well, then how am I comforted? How am I satisfied now? If, if, if I always will be in this state of mourning in some sense because the text says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. Now, family, hear me. This is very important because being comforted does not mean everything will be taken away now. Everything will be taken care of now. It's like my sorrow, my pain, all of that's going to be gone. That does not mean what, that's, that's not what he's talking about in this text. See, and this is problematic because, again, we don't like to sit in this place of mourning. We try to avoid it. We try to get away from it at all costs. We don't want to deal with it. And again, family, hear me. Regardless of if everything is great around you, we will still mourn for how we were created to be in total peace with God, which means comfort will only be felt partially here on this earth by the Christian. This is why the text says, they shall be comforted. See, the Christian is comforted now because they're saved and will one day be with Christ in heaven. But until then, there's this constant state of mourning, whether it's from your mess or the world. It's, it's this constant state of mourning. But the difference, as I stated before, is that the Christian mourns with hope. Again, the believers blessed now in Christ and not yet because one day we'll reside in heaven and be with our Father where there's no mourning. But until then, let us mourn with hope. Let me end with some scripture. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. But they who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. 2 Corinthians 4, verses 16 through 18 says this. So we do not lose heart. Listen, listen to these words. Though, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal way of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Then let me end with this one, the, the scripture that points to the hope that we're waiting for, the hope that we're looking for in God. Revelation 
51 verses 3 through 4 says this, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. Oh, my goodness, that's good news. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor pain, nor crying. Look at this, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. That's good news. That's what we hold on. That's what we look forward to. Family, hear me. It's not bad or a weak thing to mourn. We always will mourn. The question is, how are we mourning? Do you mourn with hope? Or do you mourn without hope? The Christian mourning is always hopeful because the Christian shall be and will be comforted. May I have every head bowed, every eye closed. Because I want you to be honest with me this morning. Maybe you walked in here in a place of mourning. Maybe you walked in here in a place of feeling like I don't have hope. Maybe you walked in here, you said, I, ne- I, I, I didn't know. I, don't, I thought I knew Jesus. I really didn't. Maybe you've never heard the truth of the gospel, that Jesus loves you. He loves you so much that he steps out of heaven, dies on a cross for you. He's buried and he rises from the grave just so we can be with God, that we can have hope in our morning. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior before. If that's you, I, it's only me looking right now. I just want you to just raise your hand. Nothing crazy. Just raise your hand. I just want to pray for you. It's good. Maybe you walked in here, secondly, and said, I'm that person that doesn't know how to mourn with hope. I know Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I know what he did for me on the cross. I know that he loves me, but that doesn't stop me from mourning as if there's no tomorrow. I've messed up over and over again, and I'm sitting in my regret. I'm sitting in my mess, sitting in my feelings, and I need Jesus. I need to come back to him. Maybe you're here and you say, I know him, but I've misplaced my hope, and I want to put my hope back in Christ. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand. Be honest this morning. It's just me looking. saying you need more of Christ. That's what I'm going to do. During communion, we're going to have a group of folks that stand up here in the front. And if you raise your hand in either one of those places, I would love for you to come down here before you take communion and just receive prayer. Don't leave this place the same way you came in. God loves you. He wants to be with you. He created you to be with him. We're a community of body, a body of believers that loves him. This is what we're here for. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. You're a good God. God, we thank you for just being good all by yourself. I know it's tough for us to be in our feelings and think about emotions, think about what's really going on. 
how we feel, God. We don't want to deal with it a lot of times. The truth of the matter is, God, you're there with us in the midst of our feelings. You're there in the midst of our brokenness. And you want to be with us. So, God, I pray that instead of running to other things or bottling up our emotions or bottling up our feelings, God, we would run to the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, I need you. God, I pray for the person in here saying, I want to give my life to the Lord and never knew this type of hope and hope and still wants to know that, God, I pray right now they would say, Jesus, I need you more. I need you, God. I've been sitting on the throne of my life and I want you. Pray for the person that's misplaced their hope and said that, that I, I thought I could do it all on my own. But your word says, blessed are those who mourn, God. And it's not just sadness. It's in the midst of our stages of life. We don't like where we are. We don't like what we're going through. That's still mourning, God. And you're saying, look, I have you right there for a reason, and I'm with you, so have hope in me. God, I pray that that's where we would sit, placing everything we have at your feet, saying, Jesus, we need you. Father, be with us and fill our hearts with your joy and your comfort as we look only to you and call on you. We love you and we pray all these things in the mighty name of Jesus and everyone said together, amen. Thanks again for listening to our podcast today. I pray again that it was a blessing and encouragement to your soul. And I hope to see you at one of our services at 10 a.m. Take care. God bless you. Girl.